1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me, as he does every week, is the one and only Kent Sterling. Kent, thanks for joining.
2: Oh, my pleasure, Alex. You kidding me? We got basketball <laughs> being played and all kinds of fun being had last night by uh, T.J. Warren and the guys, so all is
1: good. Absolutely. So I'm not going to lie, Kent. We did a little um, uh, pregame talk with Tony's Kevin Bowen myself and Tyler Smith on Twitter live and we were asked our thoughts on the game and when I heard you know that uh I didn't know Brogdon was going to be out when we talked about it but when I heard Embiid was playing I was uh really skeptical about the Pacers chances and um you know I was I was really shocked to see them win that game and I, I think it, it all comes down to T.J. Warren scoring 53 points because if he doesn't go off like that that could have been a really ugly loss <laughs>
2: That was very helpful. That Embiid played only the minutes that he did because mm-hmm. he was plus 21, and when Horford was on the floor in his stead, the Sixers were minus 26. Conversely, when uh, when the Pacers had Miles Turner on the floor, which coincided more often than not with when Embiid was on, the the Pacers were minus 13. When Jakari Sampson or Jakar Sampson was on the floor, they were plus 20. <laughs> so you know, there you go. That doesn't mean that Sampson's better than Turner. But it does mean that Embiid is really, really a beast. And when he's healthy and when he's good to go, last night, hell, he had more than 40 points. And and nobody's talking about Joel Embiid because T.J. Warren was out of sight. He can go get buckets from anywhere. Great mid-range score. He can get to the rim. He can shoot th- threes. He was absolutely unbelievable.
1: Well, I, I, pulled up, I put this tweet out today. I don't know if you saw it or not. But... Uh, T.J. Warren has been unbelievable against Philadelphia this year, and I'm not sure why Philadelphia didn't really make any changes because they didn't try double-teaming him. They kind of just no. uh, allowed whoever was guarding him to stay one-on-one. They weren't helping off. And, you know, if you look at the other box scores, I think I think it was uh, both Victor and Aaron Holiday both had like 15. So it's not like anybody was going off of the Pacers other than T.J. But in, this, in the four-game series this year, he averaged uh, 31 points a game for 124 total points. He shot 66.7 from the field, uh, 48 of 72, and he was 15 of 20 from three for 75% from three-point land against Philadelphia. So, you know, this is a matchup we talked about, and I think you even posted about it. You said, I don't want to see this matchup in the playoffs, but no, uh, for T.J. Warren's confidence, that's the only reason I want to see it.
2: <laughs> well, it, it, if Embiid plays, if Embiid doesn't play, I'm happy to see the Sixers, right. because defensively, I think they're just a wreck. Mm-hmm. You know, they were really bad last night in a lot of different ways. And and as long as you didn't drive the ball to Embiid, as Oladipo did at least once, you're in pretty good shape scoring the basketball. And and they never adjusted. They didn't foul late, which didn't make any sense to me. I, I just don't know whether, you know, they're uh, – I don't know whether there was a lack of focus with those guys. I don't know what was going on, but I never thought – that they were going to be in a position with Embiid off the floor to do anything that we would be afraid of as as people who follow the Pacers. Uh, T.J. Warren was just absolutely out of sight. And how you don't take him away, he, he scores 19 in the first quarter. And then he puts, what do you, uh, so 19-19, he had 15 in, in the second and third combined, uh-huh. which puts him on a pace to score 30. I mean, that's still a hell of a night. And then in the fourth quarter, you let the guy come back and go off and get another 19, for God's sake. He tied the Pacers record for scoring in a quarter two times in the same game. That's a (laughs) hell of a thing. You know, T.J. Warren, I don't know how you don't take him away, given that Oladipo's still coming back. You don't have Sabonis. You don't have Brogdon. How you don't take Warren away is just a mystery to me.
1: Yeah, it, it was really dumb. I don't understand what Philadelphia was doing, but it was interesting too because you saw you saw the way that you saw the way that Aaron Holiday played last night too, and I thought he looked really well. I one of the one of the matchups yeah. I really enjoyed was when they are running that pick and roll with him and T.J. Warren. And it was uh, it was like twice back to back in the third quarter, I believe, maybe early fourth, I can't remember. But uh, Thibel was guarding was guarding Warren, and he would not leave him during that pick and roll. So Holiday was able to get right by Neto and got to the basket. Back to back plays, and it was really yeah. cool to see him kind of grow, and it, it kind of showed, hey. Warren's being so effective, we can't leave him. You know, and then I thought that Jakar Sampson did a fantastic job playing the backup center minutes last night, and we know that this is uh, something we're a little nervous about long-term, future-wise. Turner, for some reason, just can't get over it when it comes to Embiid. I I don't know what it is mentally. I I feel like it's more mentally than physically with him. Always is overthinking, because Embiid is great at drawing fouls, right? And that's one thing. Turner always gets his hand caught in the cookie jar or, or holding on yeah. to him, hooking him. It's, it's stupid fouls. It's not like it's even fouls when, when, uh, and going up for shots. So it, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like it's more mental with him, but I thought when Jakar got out there, you know, he, they, he really made Embiid work for it. But I also think the team did a better job of coming over and double teaming, trapping, trying to get the ball out of his hands when Jakar was on. him. They didn't leave him on, you know, Embiid Island, but I feel like with miles, they didn't really come over and help as much.
2: No, I totally agree. And, and you mentioned Samson. And the thing that I like about Samson more probably than anything else is he knows what he's good at and he knows what he's not good at. And, and I think that that's a key for a guy kind of coming off the deep bench as he does. I mean, he ain't not going to get minutes when the Pacers are healthy. You look at a guy like Sumner. Sumner doesn't know who he is. You know, yeah. He doesn't know what he can't do well. T.J. Leaf does not know what he can't do well. T.J. Leaf taking three-point shots is crazy. You and I could go out and shoot a better percentage from beyond the arc than T.J. Leaf. I watch his kid in practice, and he's all over the outside of the rim. His hands are backwards. He does literally everything wrong shooting a three. He should never shoot a three, ever. I think he took two last night. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Those are turnovers. (laughs) When T.J. Leaf takes a three, those are turnovers. You can't have that. And, and Sumner needs to go out and defend and then offensively just be a, a piece of the puzzle that moves the basketball to the guys who are going to be able to score it. When when those deep bench guys do what they're supposed to do and they don't do what they're not supposed to do, then the Pacers can be pretty good. Yeah. But if you're going to rely on deep bench guys, you're going to have problems if they try to force activity. Aaron Holiday to an extent, too. If Aaron Holiday kind of gets outside his comfort zone, tries to be aggressive, tries to earn that second contract before the first one's expired, you wind up with trouble. And and that's what you you've really got. If you're Nate McMillan, you're trying to coach these guys toward that.
1: Yeah, well, I want to bring up a point about TJ Leaf because it's uh we saw the nice dunk he had on Joel Embiid right? It was really cool yeah. because he actually was decisive in his move and I feel like a lot of times when you watch Leaf, it's almost like he's unsure of what he should do. He doesn't have confidence in himself which I get it. I mean, everybody rags on him. He realizes he's out of the rotation. He probably knows that this is going to be one of the last time he's ever playing in a basketball game, Uh, probably in the NBA at least, because I can't see after his contracts over him getting picked up by anybody. But if I look at him from his rookie year to now, I feel like he's regressed. And as an NBA player that's that young, why do you think a guy like that regresses so much?
2: You know, I, that's a great question. I, I, I think it's the wiring, the, the emotional wiring of a guy. And T.J. Leaf's emotional wiring might have been better served to, you know, stay at UCLA, kind of figure out who he is, not rush to the league. But if you're going to be a first-round draft pick, I mean, Hells Bells, come and take the money. I get that. But I, I think in the end, he might have been better served doing something else. Um, he, he's not a guy. Who's, who's really suited to play both ends of the floor. He's not mm-hmm. a good defender. He's he's bulked up, which is good, mm-hmm. which makes him at least able to compete. And he has been a relatively productive offensive player. But the fact that he can't shoot threes makes him very, very one-dimensional and, and puts him in a position where he's not going to be able to be productive on a game in, game out uh, kind of from that standpoint. And, and that makes him tough to keep around and tough to put on the floor. He's a really nice kid. But you know what? When you talk to a guy like Aaron Holiday, we'll, we'll juxtapose those two guys because Holiday stayed at UCLA. And, and Holiday kind of became a man at UCLA. And when you talk to Aaron Holiday, there's a chip on Aaron Holiday's shoulder where he kind of gets, um, I don't know, gritty in terms of his performance during an interview. Like, OK, you're asking me that question. Here's an answer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's kind of that attitude with TJ Leaf. There's none of that. It's like you're talking to a boy and not a man. And and I think that in those limited instances, you really learn a lot about a guy as you talk to him after practice. I think you can get kind of a window into his level of manhood. And I think TJ Leaf is is a really good offensive basketball player from 15 feet in. And then everything else he kind of struggles with.
1: Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to need him to play significant minutes, especially if we have foul trouble like we saw last night. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that you hit the the nail right there on the head when you talked about how he's bulked up, because there's definitely some times where I was uh, okay with him, you know, banging down there, getting some rebounds. But I, I hated the one where it took like four or five missed Horford shots for him to finally get it. Right. And, then, and then he looks around. I don't know if you noticed this, but he looks around for someone to pass the ball to and then just dribbles the ball up the court himself. And I was like, uh, oh, God, this is so cringy. And then I think he took that uh, wind-up three that took him about a half an hour to load up before he shot it, <laughs> you know, before yeah. that. But, I mean, you know, I don't think T.J. Leaf was as bad as he was in the scrimmage games. I think he actually looked better last night than he did in the scrimmage games. But, you know, I, I, I got I to gotta give uh, – T.J. McConnell, a lot of credit for last night. Even though the plus-minus doesn't look great for him. I mean, minus three is what it shows. Uh, Eight assists, ten points, three rebounds, two steals, I mean, I just felt like his energy is what kind of kept the Pacers afloat whenever they gave Warren some time to rest because, you know, honestly, it was weird. But it's like as soon as Turner got in foul trouble, you put Jakar Sampson in, and that's when the Pacers went on their runs in the um, in the first and fourth quarters when it was kind of a different lineup out there. Now, Turner did have a couple big shots in that fourth quarter. The corner three was a yep. massive shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to discredit that. I mean, he was four or five from the field, so he was a a effective offensively. Turner was played 20 minutes, but you know, like we said, uh, (laughs) you don't want him and Jakar playing the same amount of minutes at center position with a leaf filling in the other eight. So just, you know, just things you got to figure out, but going forward, I think that it was really good to see Oladipo not try to take over, uh, Warren's spotlight and allow him to, to be the guy last night. Cause sometimes stars can do that. And uh Vic was very happy letting Warren take all the big shots.
2: You know, I I like that a lot. You're exactly right. And and Victor seemed to be pretty happy for TJ. Victor can kind of be an iconoclast on occasion and I uh in, in his post-game confer- uh, uh comments especially he he was very positive uh, obviously about Warren. How would you not be? Mm-hmm. Um but you know, and and then I, I hope these guys don't pay attention to social media. But you see on social media, okay, who do you give the extension to? You know, Warren is under contract for a year beyond Vic. But if you had to if you had to evaluate based upon what we've seen this year during those games that these guys have played, who are you gonna who are you gonna invest in? Are you gonna invest in T.J. Warren? Are you gonna invest in Victor Oladipo? There's no way that Victor doesn't understand that there's only so much money under the luxury tax that the Pacers are going to spend uh, on these guys. And, you know, you've got Brogdon under contract long-term. You've got Sabonis under contract long-term. You've got Turner under contract long-term. There's only so much cash. And so if he does want to stay here, I don't know where the cash to keep him kind of comes from because uh, Herb, as we've seen, is not going to spend over the cap. So, Uh, that becomes a little bit problematic. You mentioned T.J. McConnell. I loved him. Look, 17 minutes last night, he scored 10 points. He had eight uh, assists. If you double that and you put him on the floor for 34, and I know that T.J. plays with and against the second unit, so it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. He's not going to play starters minutes. But, you know, if you kind of factor that out, that's a night where he scores 20 and he dishes 16 uh, dimes. That is a really nice night. And the thing that I like most about him, that you saw and i'm glad jamie burns chose to use his shot was uh him putting his arm around aaron holiday at one point as they were coming off the floor uh as a timeout was called and sort of explaining something to him i think aaron holiday needs that from time to time Mm -hmm. and that tj mcconnell is investing that kind of energy in aaron i think is a huge deal
1: yeah i think what you're talking about there was when uh miles turner kind of said something to Aaron Holliday, and Aaron Holliday looked a little frustrated uh, with what what Turner was getting upset about, and then it looked like McConnell kind of came over and tried to explain why Turner was frustrated with what Aaron did, so uh, a great teaching moment there, and um, to go back to your, you know, who are you going to pick between Victor and Warren, I don't want to just completely ignore that, Uh, I, I think you keep both of them if you can, and figure out who you have to move to keep both of them, because we've talked about it, I mean, and I know it's not about last night's game, but going forward in the playoffs, fully healthy roster. Victor Oladipo has not had someone, I mean, I know Bojan's been capable, but he has not had someone that can score like TJ Warren can in so many different ways next to him. Then you got a guy like Brogdon, who's a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, You know, I, I just think you know, Oladipo is not going to have to carry the whole offensive burden. I mean, because TJ Warren knows how to create baskets for himself. He can hit weird shots. You know, almost some of his shots that he takes are almost all of them are weird. Uh, besides the, the pull up threes he was hitting last night, he, he shoots those kind of off balance floaters mid-range shots that he takes. I mean, we've been talking about it. I mean, they put Ben Simmons on him, who's supposed to be their all-star defender, and in that fourth quarter, I believe it was, he went 9 of 10, or it might have been the second half when they put him on him. I saw it on Twitter. It was like he went 9 of 10 for 24 points against Ben Simmons last night, (laughs) 5 for 5 from 3. Yeah, here it is, Rich Hoffman. Uh, I'm not sure who Rich works for. He, uh, uh, the Athletic, Philadelphia 76ers, beat writer for the Athletic. He said, TJ Warren, when Ben Simmons was his defender per NBA.com's matchup data, was 9 of 10 from the field, 5 of 5 from 3 for 24 points. So, you know, uh, and it looked like Matisse Seibel was probably better on him, but he only played two minutes on him. So, you know, it's just one of those nights. Warren was out of this world, and it was great because – before the game people said who do you think the best player is uh, in this in this game and we said well Joel Embiid's the best player and then arguably yep. number 2 is Ben Simmons and, and so you know before Vic even though if Vic's healthy cuz Simmons is to me really underrated and pretty good I just thought Philadelphia the way they ran their offense it was atrocious I mean the spacing if you look at it they had horrible spacing it's like they didn't know what they were doing and besides Embiid I mean it just felt like if they weren't hitting corner threes against a Pacers zone, they didn't have anything going.
2: And defensively, I, I really thought that they were not disruptive at all, Mm-mm. minus when people tried to get to the bucket against Embiid. You know, I, I didn't see them, you know, taking away passing lanes. I didn't see them kind of getting in guys' grills and making it difficult and uncomfortable for that offense to operate. And in and, and particular with T.J. Warren. And if you don't do that, I mean, you've got to score like T.J. Warren. You just leave his ass open. He's going to knock down buckets all night long. And oh, that's yeah. exactly what he did. It was a beautiful thing to watch. It was a scoring like a, uh, I, I, an exhibition by a really good scorer, but not a great scorer. And the, and you realize just how good these guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these are really good guys. If you leave his ass open, he's going to score buckets.
1: Right. Well, I'm going to ask you this because no Sabonis. Obviously, we know the offense usually runs through Sabonis. And last night Warren got hot, so they started feeding the hot hand. Do you think that this small ball lineup without Sabonis and, and Turner at the five and Warren at the four, we're going to see Warren continue to, you know, put up a fantastic scoring nights. I'm not saying 53 every night, obviously, but I'm saying you know 25, 30 points a game. Do you think that we could start seeing that from Warren throughout this bubble, uh, the eight seeding games?
2: Well, I think it depends on, you know, where the the matchup weakness is, mm-hmm. right? you got guys who can go get points. You, Miles Turner is capable of 20-plus points uh, on any given night. So is Victor. Um, you, you've got guys who can score points. I think Aaron Holiday's is the guy who can score. Justin Holiday is the guy who can score. So I think it's going to depend on the matchup. It's not going to be T.J. Warren's ball to shoot 29 times, I, I I if he shoots 29 times again a, in this next 7 game run up to the playoffs I'd be stunned but if you leave him open he can do that any night. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it, and that that's an efficient 53. You know yeah. you don't often see an efficient 53. 50 plus points on with uh four free throws and less than 30 field goals. I don't know how many times that's been done in NBA history, but I'll guarantee you that you can count them on one hand.
1: Yeah. No, that there's no doubt about that. I mean, that was what was impressive too. Nine of 12 from three is what really just stuck out to me. Yeah. 75% from beyond the arc. And it's like we've kind of been wondering, you know, if T.J. Warren was ever going to be a, a, a great three-point shooter because we haven't really seen the consistency of it and he doesn't really take a lot. The fact that he put up 12 threes last night is something that we're not used to seeing. And no. all, all the people that are complaining about the Pacers playing, uh, not playing small ball. I mean, it, it was just I was just baffled. We're, the Pacers are beating the Sixers with no Brogdon, no Sabonis, and Turner sitting on the bench. They're out there beating them with with Jakar Sampson and the Holiday Brothers, Oladipo and Warren. And people are still criticizing Nate McMillan for how he's running his offense in the middle of the game. And I'm like. Uh, do you guys not see what's going on here right now like uh, are we watching the same game and they're like well you know it's bad coaching he's just lucky that Warren's hitting 53 you know points I'm like okay this is this is where you just got to take a step back and realize that this is not a McMillan problem right now like can we focus on that when it is and not in the middle of a game where someone's having a historical night that's that's just to me a little bit over the top if you're really that big of a Nate hater.
2: You know what? And, and let's be real honest about some of the people who have a serious dislike for Nate McMillan. There's some race issue in there. You know what I mean? Like if Nate McMillan was a white guy, he would be seen through an entirely different prism and an entirely different filter by a lot of people. He's a black guy. So they pile on from time to time. I just think it's wrong. And and maybe I'm way out of my depth, but I I just don't see any justification For that kind of nonsense, you went out and beat and it's not like Embiid didn't play or that he played like 18 minutes. The guy played 34 minutes Mm -hmm. and you beat their ass and you exposed them and you made them look silly. And and you put yourself in a position where not only is the fourth seed in play, but the third seeds in play because the heat have a really tough road coming up including two games against the Pacers. This is the pace. the Pacers could wind up being the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and and that's without Sabonis and without Brogdon and and without for the majority of the season, Victor Oladipo. I don't know how you can do a better job coaching. I get that some of the yeah. offensive sets leave a little bit something to be desired, and and I get all of that. But to be hypercritical of Nate McMillan, and I'm not saying he's the coach of the year, but to be that critical of Nate McMillan on a night like what do you want? You, yeah. you want him to like not have TJ? Wait, TJ, you're not going to shoot 29 times and make 20 because I'm going to prove that I'm a really good coach and that I can win without you shooting 29. What do you want the guy to do for God's sake? Yeah, you know, I just yeah. don't understand it. I like Nate. <laughs> I've said that before. I think he's a terrific dude. I think he's a terrific coach, and I think some of the hatred comes from racial uh, racial issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure if I want to just uh, say that I think that that's the case. There's probably some people that that feel that way, and uh, I you know shame on them for being that way. But I, I also think that it's just some people just focus on how Turner is used and the shots Turner takes but you know everyone's like well if Turner doesn't shoot six or seven threes a game then that's McMillan's fault it's like well maybe don't get in foul trouble in the first you know two minutes of the game and you can actually get into a rhythm and get into some kind of offensive set but that's besides the point and you know I just (laughs) I just laugh because I'm just like can we like just not enjoy the fact that T.J. Warren's having an amazing game and a historical night without criticizing our coach because you don't think that Turner's shooting enough threes like it's got nothing to do with that right now and um Let's let's have that conversation in a playoff series when when he gets out, coach or something like that. That's something I'm okay with. But right right now, last night's game was not the place for it. And so I just want to, if you're listening to this and you're you're upset with the way McMillan's using Turner, I get it. But last night was not that I to complain about it. So, Kent, any final thoughts on last night's game? Anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up?
2: No, I. How much more fun than that can we have watching Pacers basketball? For goodness sake, that was fantastic. I enjoyed every minute
1: that That's the perfect way to come back and talk about uh, you know or watch basketball a real meaningful yep. game that's the perfect way to come back, come out there and beat a team that I just hate. I hate philadelphia they i mean <laughs> I cannot stand their fans, and it was so funny because there's a there's a buddy of mine. That put on Twitter. He was like, uh, looks like Jakar Sampson's coming to play the backup minutes for Miles Turner. Looks like Brett Brown's gut was right. I said, his gut was right? What do you mean? Who else were they going to play at backup center? I mean, <laughs> for goodness <laughs> sake, quit acting like Brett Brown is so intelligent because he uh, he knew what the Pacers had been doing in their scrimmage games. I just thought that was a little funny. But, you know, it's uh, I hate Philadelphia fans, and uh, I don't care if they hear this and come at me. They probably won't because it's not a targeted audience for them. But you know i uh i don't want to see them ever again this season and now i'm just excited to uh, look at some games coming up and we got another game tomorrow night or tonight if yep. you're listening to this on monday we got an afternoon game four o'clock against the washington wizards uh the g league washington wizards we should say yep. so this is the game the pacers have to win and this is a game i would really like miles turner to bounce back from after uh you know a, a rough start against philadelphia
2: and he should i mean they got beat by the suns by 13 <laughs> and, and as this reboot has happened and i mean you got achimura you got brown you got bonga you got thomas bryant and you have napier as your starters and and off the bench it's smith and wagner and williams and Grant. i mean if you can't beat these guys and the the great thing about this is the Pacers are entering a run where they play the Wizards, Magic, and Suns, and they should be able to go check, check, check with Ws. The Heat, they've got Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee coming up in their next three, and then in those final four, the Pacers and the Heat play twice. The Pacers right now, two games behind the Heat, and I I think that they can get to the Heat. I don't know if they can get to the Celtics, because that's a a three-and-a-half-game deficit, and I know it really doesn't matter if they mm-hmm. get to the Heat or not, it, whether you're the four or the five seed, you know, okay, you're going to play on your home court instead of on their home court, but it's in the same building, so what the hell is the difference? But I still think that this is, this is a time where the Pacers can really get their feet under them, figure out who they are, maybe get Brogdon healthy, maybe get Sabonis a little bit healthy, have him come back down to the bubble for that first-round matchup against likely the Heat, and and all of a sudden you're looking at something where it's not you know a one and done you know kind of situation where you think that you know good enough you know mm, what I mean right so uh yeah I'm th- th- tomorrow th- th- I'm not going to say it ought to be a walk in the park these all th- they're all on scholarship right but man if you can't mm-hmm. beat the wizards in their current state without Wall and without Beal uh, I I don't know and Burton's <laughs> right right yeah. exactly
1: so it's uh. So yeah, I really think this game, the Orlando game might be a little bit more difficult because Orlando is still trying to p- pass Brooklyn. So they might be a little bit more competitive, but that's a game that I still think the Pacers, even, even without Brogdon and Sabonis, they have a good shot of, of winning. And then Phoenix, you know, they're kind of just there. I don't really think they feel like they have a legitimate chance to try to move up in the standings, but an opportunity for them to kind of get more reps for, for Booker and Ayton together and, and that young core. So, yeah, they I do mean, have
2: guys. They got yeah. guys that the Wizards don't have. I mean, yeah. you, you look at their lineup with Bridges and Aiden and Rubio and Booker, Sarek, Kaminsky, you know, yeah. those are names. You know who those people are. I got to tell you the truth. I'm the Wizards. I was saying names. I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> Aren't it, like, okay, Williams, I, I'm not sure which Williams that is. Schofield, who? Robinson, Admiral. who? You know, I, I just uh, – I'm not familiar with these fellas. Yeah. And so, like, if you're playing against guys – where if you see Black Lives Matter on the back and you're not sure who that guy is...
1: Oh, yeah. You're you know, not going to know. <laughs> that,
2: right. So and that's kind of what the Wizards are. Last night I'm watching with my wife and uh, she's watching Warren hit shots and she goes who's this justice guy (laughs) (laughs) that's tj warren julie
1: (laughs) oh he's new i like him yeah but that's that's hysterical yeah but no i mean i think these are all three games they can win and even if they don't win them all like i think you said it perfectly they're probably not gonna catch boston and and four or five doesn't really matter but if you really want to play the heat feel like that's the best matchup for you then you got to win these games and just don't let philadelphia catch you and then fall back to six and play boston if you're afraid of that matchup but I also think just just trying to go out there and win these next three games against lesser teams could really boost their confidence heading into the playoffs. And, you know, they still have the Heat twice, like you mentioned. I think they have the Lakers, and I forget who the, uh, the other game is against, but it's Houston. Um, Houston yeah, so... I mean, those are good teams, and they're all going to be fighting for something. So if you can have some confidence heading into those back four games where they're more meaningful, uh, who knows if the Lakers will be playing their guys fully at that point if they're resting. I mean, I don't think they would be resting. It's been a weird year. So I expect everybody to play. But I do believe these games are important to win for confidence reasons, trying to figure out life without Domas in these next couple of games and see what other things they can do. Give, Give guys like Sumner, give guys like Samson and Leaf, more minutes in these games where they can maybe figure some things out get comfortable in their role so you don't feel as you know overwhelmed when you play a team that's uh, got a lot more competitors on it you know what i mean i think this is a just a, a way for them to to grow and feel more comfortable in their role because they are asked i mean even even justin and Aaron holiday are now asked to do more than that they probably expected to and who knows how long brogdon's going to be out with his uh, with his neck injury
2: I, that's a, that's a big deal. I, he is under contract for a long time for a lot of money. And if he can't play more than 50 games because of a wrist and a groin and a neck and a this and a that, that's a problem. And, and then you start wondering about the investment of that money, given his availability. I think this is the eighth injury for which he's missed a game this season. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe, maybe he's just getting them all out of the way. And now he's going to head into other seasons where he can play 75 to 80 games, but that's usually not the way the human body works. I get really worried about Malcolm Brogdon's availability and his propensity for injury because that is a big deal for the Indiana Pacers.
1: Yeah, when you when you tweet big words like that, Kent, I don't think people understand what you're saying. <laughs> Especially a dumb guy like me. You're you're writing these big words and I'm like, I, I know what you're saying because I understand the context of the tweet, but I have no idea what this word means. So uh going right over my head and probably some of our listeners are like, What's propensity mean? But um, yeah, so what exactly does that mean? I, I gotta ask you. <laughs> propensity is
2: the likelihood. Okay. You know, but- so he, he he has a propensity for injury means okay he has a likelihood to become injured. I gotcha. suppose you know it's the yeah. Why so can't you just say likelihood, up, Alex? I'm, try, I'm trying to I'm trying to lift. I mean I I come from <laughs> the north side of Chicago and in the North Shore of Chicago up there in Lake Bluff, We're regularly in the eighth grade we were asked to know and to be able to use three syllable words, and and so I'm coming down here to Indiana and I'm trying to lift us. As a society, into a place where we use the whole language, not just the monosyllabic words, but the entire language.
1: (laughs) Well, for for what it's worth, likelihood is a three-syllable word too, and I know that one a lot better. So, if you could please just just make keep it simple, stupid for for idiots like me on Twitter that don't know these big words and I have to double tap them and look them up to see. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, so you know, this (laughs) back to Brogdon. Yes, it is a very serious thing, and. I mean, it makes you nervous, probably if you're if you're Kevin Pritchard, you're paying this guy a lot of money, and yep. while he is really important on and off the court. I mean, you talked about how you call him the leader of the Pacers yep. over Oladipo. You know whether I disagree or agree with that. That's besides the point. I'm just saying, as far as what you're paying him to be, you know, <laughs> we we are paying him to play basketball and be healthy. And I really do think pro- if this was a playoff game, I think he probably would have played. I. I think that with it just being these regular eight-seating games, he decided not to. And I'm not sure the severity of the injury. It didn't seem like it was too, too serious. More of like a game-time decision for uh, Monday's game. So if he can just come back, I mean, I just I just want to see him and Oladipo together. It, it, they have not had enough time together to really get that chemistry down. And I think if the Pacers really want to have any chance in any playoff series, with or without Sabonis, they need Brogdon and Oladipo to be at the top of their games.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Those guys need to figure out a way to play to get – look, the the Pacers are going to win not because they have the best player on the court, but because the combination of the five guys who are on the court are able to you know lift them over an opponent with a better singular player. If they're going to do something against the Heat, it's Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is going to be the best player on the floor. If they play against the Bucs, Antetokounmpo is going to be the best player on the floor. That's going to happen over and over again in the playoffs. They have to figure out with the five guys that they've got how to be better than that one plus four, and and that's the kind of math that's got to work for the Pacers. And if they don't have that sort of advantage, and and that ability to you know lift one another, then they're going to have a tough time beating a good team.
1: Yeah, and, and you know I think Turner has to just be consistent on both ends of the floor, stay out of foul trouble. And, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting Turner to put up 20, 25 points a game. I mean, I think you can leave that for other guys to do, but at least score in the double digit range from 12 to 12 to 16, knock down some threes, get some putbacks. I mean, the rebounding battle was a huge uh, differential last night. If you look at that, the Pacers just out assisted and they were better keeping care of the ball uh than the than the philadelphia was but i mean we got completely obliterated on the boards last night and that's kind of what you expect without Domas. i mean the pacers would even get beat on the boards quite a bit uh against teams that had bigger lineups even with sabonis and turner it's just i don't know what it is exactly the pacers do but uh there's definitely some holes that i saw in last night's game with the zone <laughs> they were so concerned with Embiid that they let so many guys get wide open threes in the corners and it was just like come on guys we can't keep doing this you know this is we let them creep back in the game once that second unit would come out there a little bit and then we'd pull it out keep it close they they'd pull away a little bit but it was because they were hitting such big shots in the corners and you know when you're playing teams like uh we're playing Washington and Orlando you know they don't have the same level of shooters on their roster especially with the guys that are sitting out with Beal and Bertans specifically for Washington you know this is a game that you're just going to have to come ready to play and not let washington outwork you because this is something they're young they don't have anything really to play for right know, so they can just come out there carefree where you're still trying to figure things out new lineup new roster guys are trying to mesh i mean it's just really an opportunity for them in this game for me to to develop and and grow uh, while they're down there together
2: they're gonna have to they're going to have to be much more disciplined, the Pacers are, getting a body on the defensive boards. You know, they gave up 20 offensive rebounds last night. There was the three-pointer that Embiid took that came right back to him. Nobody on Embiid. And and so he gets an uncontested offensive board, gets put back. Simmons did that a couple of times. They're, they're going to have to play smarter basketball than they did last night because you're not going to have T.J. Warren go off in the way he did. You know, that, that isn't going to happen again. There are only four guys in franchise history that that have scored 50-plus points. This, this is not going to become a regular occurrence. You can't rely on that. You've got to be the smarter team. You've got to out-execute fundamentally. And they didn't last night because Philadelphia was also a complete train wreck fundamentally. And so that's where the advantage has got to lie for the Pacers. Hopefully they get there in these next eight games and whoever they play in the playoffs they can have that advantage
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean there's not really a whole lot to preview with these games i I think that it's just about the pacers growing like i've said together and overall you know i think mcmillan and and his coaching staff have done a good job of getting these guys ready they all look in shape and that was one thing that i was a little bit concerned about you know guys being in shape after the long quarantine they all look really good They they all look ready to play, and you know um, while some of them still are a ways away from being you know uh, regular rotation players like a like a leaf and a sumner, I still think that those guys are able to contribute in ways whether it you know be super impacting, but I think they can still contribute even if they just have to do the bare minimum uh, to to just get out there and fill those minutes that they do play because. This this team is deep, and when fully healthy, I mean, I think this team could be really good. It's just unfortunate this whole season has been riddled by injuries. I mean, and we'll never get to really see what this roster that Kevin Pritchard envisioned would be uh, playing together because of all the injuries. So, I mean, opportunities have uh, rose for guys like Aaron Holiday, Miles Turner, and um, even, even a guy like Justin Holiday now. I think he played like 30-some, 35-plus minutes last night. Uh, you know, that's a lot of minutes to ask a guy that's used to playing 20, 25. So, you know, big, bigger roles and bigger opportunities for these guys. And, uh, you know, let, let's see them go out there and uh, perform well.
2: The guys at the back end of the bench have got to kind of take a Hippocratic oath where they swear to do no harm. Mm. You know, that's, that's the oath that doctors take. First, do no harm. That's what these guys have got to do. Do no harm. They don't need to make great plays. They don't need to be great. The Pacers aren't going to win games because of their greatness. The Pacers are going to win games because these guys don't suck. Just try not to suck. If you can, if you can beat TJ Leaf and avoid sucking for your nine minutes, the Pacers <laughs> are going to be in good shape. Same thing with your Sampson. Samson. Just don't suck, and everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, and if you can be a little bit better than just don't suck, we'll take it. You know, it's just an added bonus uh, for the but team. But don't
2: try. Don't, don't try. try to be better than just don't suck. Let it, it come to you. Trying to be better. If you think you're playing for a second contract somehow, just just check. Delete that file from your brain, and just hold your own out there. You're a placeholder, and then the real guy's going to come in. He comes in to win the game. Let, let's not get it twisted and think, okay, this is my opportunity to, you know, shine. No, just don't suck.
1: Absolutely. So as we as we close this out here, Kent, I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna ask you quickly uh, a little bit yeah. about Oladipo. Um, what were your thoughts on the way he played last night? Um, especially since we were unsure if he was actually going to play or not; it was still undecided. And then his post game comments last night to to the media, basically saying it's going to be a day to day thing. And uh, he, he jokingly kind of laughed off the I don't want to tell you guys something if it's not true. And uh, I'm just curious, all your thoughts on everything from the game last night to his post-game comments.
2: I have become less and less interested in what Victor Oladipo has to say. As as TJ Warren made more and more shots last night, I became less interested in what Victor Oladipo is going to do. On the defensive end, he's really important. He can overhandle a little bit. You know, I, I don't like him as a point guard. I don't like him as a primary ball handler trying to dribble out of traps because he's not capable of it at this point. Um, I I hope that he realizes that that's not a good role for him. Give the ball to somebody else. Pass your way out of a press instead of trying to spin your way out of it. Uh, But what he's got to say to the media, I've become kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm fatigued. With yeah. Vic and and how important he thinks that he is and what he has to say, whether he plays or not, is really not nearly as important to me as maybe it was, because I think they can win without him. And and he is not the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, if if he thinks that he is, he ain't going to go out and get fifty three points ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's not Victor Oladipo's game. Can he can he get flamboyant? and and flush one in a, a really, really spectacular way? Yes. Can he lead the NBA in steals? Yes. He's a good, good defender, so lock down defensively and let the offense comes to, come to you. If he does that, then I become a really big Victor Oladipo fan again. If he tries to be the all-star Victor Oladipo who, who's going to have, you know, he's going to travel in the social circles of the upper echelon in the NBA, If if that is his is his focus. I have no time for him whatsoever, and and he's got to figure it out. He he's got to become, like you know, feathery schmethery Just go play <laughs> basketball, defend people, and and go to the rim when it's there for you, and when it's not, just take what comes.
1: Yeah, and this this isn't really a knock on Oladipo. This is more so just a praise. Uh, this is for me a praise for T.J. Warren. But last night there were times I didn't even realize Victor was on the floor. Right and and that's not a knock. I know it probably sounds terrible, but it was. I mean, he did hit some big shots. He had a deep three. That kind of. You know, help stop a Philly run, and he made some nice moves. There's no doubt about it. Victor was good last night. He wasn't, you know, all star level Vic, but he was good enough to to help contribute to the win and and played a part in that. But it was all about TJ last night, and you know, there were times I didn't even recognize him. And so, you know, some people are just going to be mad constantly now at anything Oladipo does because I think it's a he's a me guy. He's becoming like Paul Georgia, according to Greg Doyle's article that came out today. Basically, you know, used his little soundbite from, uh, from the post game uh, post game press conference last night, and uh, kind of slammed Victor for what he said. But I mean, I didn't I didn't go in full details and read everything, but based on the headline, that's what it came across as. So, I'm not really sure um, what to expect about Eladipo and his inconsistency to commit. But I do know this injury is a serious thing. We want Victor to play. He's played in all four games that there's been. So he's been active he's been present and he does help this team even though he's not the same that he was he's still a huge part of this team's success and I just you know I want to continue to see him grow as a leader and as a player and you know I mean I don't really I I don't really care like you said Kent what he has to say at the post game press conference it doesn't really affect me that much it's just, are you going to play or not? Let's just figure it out and let's quit doing this back and forth of oh, you'll have to wait till Friday. Oh, you have to wait till Saturday. Uh, just come out and say yeah. Just come yeah, out and I, say I, everything's going to be a game time decision. <laughs> you know that way we don't have to that sit there It's not that big a
2: wait. deal. I, yeah. I'm not getting at all. I'm not going to twist myself out in knots based upon whether Victor Oladipo is going to play or not. Yeah, it's just not that important. He's never played for a team that's won a postseason series ever. So I mean, it, it, whatever he thinks he is, and God bless him, and I like him a lot. I mean, really, as a as a human being, I think Victor Oladipo has got so many things going for him, but he is kind of falling into this trap where he's starting to believe his own press clippings, and and I think that's a dangerous place for a guy like Vic to be. And and he's he's trying to, I mean, he's he, he he's portraying himself as a guy who lives. On the top floor of a building that hadn't been built, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he thinks he's in the penthouse, but there there isn't even a building at this point. So just go out there and play, and and play for a lot of money. Become a mogul at at some other point in your life, but right now just go win basketball games. That's what we like as yeah. fans. I want to win. I want to be a good teammate. I want to help these guys. I want to put Aaron and Malcolm and Domas and Miles and, and TJ, all the TJs, in a position where they can do their best work. And that's why I'm out here. And that's why I work as hard as I do. Yeah. You know, say that kind of stuff. And you win and win and win and win. I've talked to Victor Oladipo, like, offline about social media and about communicating with media. And I, I, I'm, I'm left with with no other belief than he he just wasn't listening <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah and uh, i'm pretty sure i i really think you know the perfect player <laughs> the perfect way to go about playing basketball and being a pacer i think just model what what tj warren does you know go out there get yep. buckets play good defense compete every single night and uh you know just be humble at press conferences and you know, don't make us question whether or not you're committed long-term. You just want to go out there, win games, and you just want to be here, you know. I think that that's the perfect model for all Pacer fans and how they how they uh, want to embrace guys. I think Sabonis is kind of the same way, um, you know, but... Uh, oh, in whether, what way? What do you mean? Uh, in the way of it goes out and plays hard every night, doesn't really talk about the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about he, is, he
2: is absolutely
1: that guy. Yeah, yeah, very humble, you know, and every time you listen to Sabonis talk, a lot of times he credits his teammates for everything. And I and I yeah. kind of feel the same way with TJ Warren, but last night it was kind of hard to credit his teammates when he was like uh carrying the whole entire team on his back. So, you know, 53 of 127 points. Uh you can't really say, "Well, my teammates are getting me the ball." I mean, you sure you can say that, but it's like what were they going to do, you know? So, <laughs> if they weren't giving me right. the ball, they weren't playing the game, right? But, you know, I think I just think that like you're saying, you know, we don't really care off-court stuff we just want to see how they play on the court now some people might care about Vic's music career but it doesn't affect me personally I just want to see how he plays for the Pacers and uh so be it but um, I'm excited I'm excited to see what he continues to do continues to grow as a player and um, I'm excited to see the rest of this team continue to grow because this team's this team's probably more talented than we give it credit for sometimes Kent
2: well in the aggregate I agree Mm-hmm. You know, but this is a star-driven re- league, and the Pacers are entirely bereft of stars, which suits me just fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't need these guys who who run their own little fiefdoms and and believe that they're more important than anybody else on the team. I I, I got tired of that with Paul George. I'm done with it. We we've moved on, and I think that the I I think Pritchard's done a wonderful job of putting together a group of guys who absolutely believe. That the the collective has to be greater than the the sum of the parts, and and so you know go in basketball games, and and then we'll ask you stuff in the off season, and you can tell us all about you know what you're going to do, you know singing, and and that you got another <laughs> another track dropping or whatever the hell you got.
1: <laughs> all right, Ken. So predictions for <laughs> tomorrow and and Tuesday's games? Are you giving the Pacers two wins here? Or are they going? Yeah, I think.
2: They they better win the next three. Okay. They, they need to win the next three, and I believe they will. I mean, you, you really, to lose to the Washington Wizards, given the state of that roster it, right now in Orlando, that would be a complete train wreck. I, I think they're going to beat the Wizards. They should beat the Magic. It's going to be a tougher game, like you said. And then the Suns, you've you got to do some work to beat the Suns, I think. But this is uh, T.J. These Warren's three going off games again. they should win.
1: TJ Warren's yeah. going off for another fifty-point game in that one. <laughs> Mark my words, people. Bold prediction: TJ Warren's going for fifty again in less than a week. But um, no, only, <laughs> on, the only only reason I'm a little concerned about Orlando is that Brogdon's still not back and Olavipo doesn't play back to backs. Then you're really thin. You're you're starting Sumner probably at that point uh, with uh, Warren, Justin Holiday, Aaron, Aaron, and Miles, and then the bench. You know, you got McConnell, McDermott. Jakar, and uh, who you going to bring up? Uh, Bowen? Or, or, or Nazmetra oh Long? My. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If Oladipo's not Good back is. and Brogdon's out there, that's that's the only reason I'm afraid it could get ugly. And then, of course, we know Terrence Ross always likes to go off against the Pacers in random games. So uh, He hasn't really done that a lot this year. He's had a couple moments, but he hasn't had a game where he's like 35-plus points. So, would not be surprised if that's Tuesday. But, I'm going to go ahead and predict two wins as well, Kent. So, uh good to see Pacers basketball back and other than that I mean I got nothing else to say I'm just glad that T.J. Warren had that historic night and we got to be a part of it
2: nice it was really fun to watch he's a great dude he's quiet but if you ask him a good question you get a good answer I like T.J. Warren a lot and I thought that last night was a great validation of the incredible hard work he's put in during this hiatus
1: that's it that's exactly right Ken so you guys can follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three I'm at Alex Golden NBA and Kent Sterling is at Kent Sterling and hopefully you guys will be able to understand Kent's vocabulary as he does <laughs> a new suite a day where he'll explain his vocab words maybe we'll get a new segment going with Kent on breakfast with Kent where we can do a vocab word a day I, I would be all up for that and I think that might drive your viewership up
2: Well, you know what? People do come for the erudite stylings uh, uh, of sports talk in the morning. There's no doubt about that.
1: Absolutely. So, all right, guys, we appreciate you so much, and I hope you enjoyed that win last night. Let's go get two more wins, and keep on rocking. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The
0: Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.